This is an educational series by the Ukrainian Fire Chaplain Show. I wanted to give you a heads up that we had some technical difficulty on these four episodes on Ignatius of Antioch. The original seven first episodes of the Ukrainian Fire Chaplain Show were done on Clement of Rome at Ignatius of Antioch on a condenser mic, which failed, and I did not realize that it had failed until after I got into post-production for these four episodes on Ignatius of Antioch. So I had to use some backup audio. I want to give you a behind-the-scenes tour real quick of our studio where I have made some pretty sizable upgrades in order to give you a lot better quality and listening experience. So stick with these four episodes on Ignatius. I did polish the audio quite a bit, even though it's backup, and I know you're going to enjoy it. Thanks. If you look at his epistle to the church at Sparta, uh, starting in chapter 1, you know, being fully persuaded with respect to our Lord, he is truly the seed of David according to the flesh, truly the Son of God according to the will and power of God. You get that emphasis right there of his humanity and of his divinity. He was truly born of the Virgin, truly baptized by John in order that all righteousness might be fulfilled. He was truly under Pontius Pilate and Herod the Tetrarch nailed to the cross for us in his flesh. And you see him stabbing that, you know, that false doctrine of the Gnostics and the Docetists there. Of this fruit, we are by his divinely blessed passion that he might set up a standard for all ages through his resurrection to all his holy and faithful followers, whether among Jews or Gentiles, in the one body of his church. Skipping now to chapter 2. Now he suffered all these things for our sakes that we might be saved. He suffered truly, even as he truly raised himself up, not as certain unbelievers maintained that he only seemed to suffer, as they themselves only seemed to be Christians. That's a pretty staunch sense of humor, right? Like, there's this whole playing on back and forth and with the docetist heresy that said Christ only seemed to have a body and you know, he's a pretty witty character. And I think as we look at one of his friends, you know, Polycarp, in, in our next episode, like, there is that really subtle sense of humor that I think we have this impression, like, Catholic Christianity or, you know, ancient Christianity is supposed to be like that, you know, gong, bring out your dead, gong, bring out your dead type of stuff from Monty Python. You really find there's this, this really brilliant, sharp, witty humor in a lot of these early Christian writers. And I think that comes out there, you know, they, uh, the, the, these uh, cursed unbelievers, right, or whatever, these certain unbelievers, Jesus only seemed to suffer, yet they themselves only seemed to be Christians. It, it, I, I just, it, it never, uh, I always appreciate that little sense of, like, dry sarcasm, you know, in, in the midst of some of the seriousness, obviously, of the subject that he's dealing with. Skipping down to chapter 3, 4, now after his resurrection, he was also still possessed of flesh. And I believe he is so now. Wherein, for instance, he came to those who were with Peter and said, Lay hold, handle me, poke me, see that I'm not just some bodiless spirit, right? And skipping down chapter 4, I give you these instructions, beloved, to, to assure you that uh, you hold the same opinions as do I, but I guard you beforehand from these beasts in the shape of men, whom you must not only not receive, but if possible, not even meet with. And only you must pray to God for them, if by any means they may be brought to repentance, which, however will be very difficult. Yet, Jesus Christ, who is our true life, has the power of even affecting this. You know, and so you get that that struggle and that he hasn't cast away the, the possibility that they could be, you know, turned from their error and saved and brought into the unity of the church. But there still is that huge struggle of the question of, you know, they, they have the forms of men, but they're serving evil. And so he views them as even like less than human. 
skipping down to chapter 5, he you know, iterates some of them, you know, some ignorantly deny Christ or rather have been denied by him. And again, you get that kind of sarcastic, sarcastic wit there. Being the advocates of death rather than of truth. For what does it profit me if he commands me, but blasphemes thy Lord, not confessing that Christ was truly possessed of a body, but he who does not acknowledge this has in fact altogether denied him, being enveloped in death. I have not, however, thought good to write the names of such persons, inasmuch as they are unbelievers. Yes, far be it from me to make any mention of them until they repent and return to a true belief in Christ's passion, which is our resurrection. And he says, you're not even worthy of me mentioning your names, you know. Why would I give you advertising for your wickedness and your errors? Let's skip down here to chapter 6. But consider those who are a different opinion with respect to the grace of Christ which has come to us. Uh, how opposed they are to the will of God. They have no regard for love, no care for the widow or orphan or the oppressed, of the bond or of the free, of the hungry or of the thirsty. And what's, what's interesting is he, he finds an, a, an affiliation or a similarity in their rejection of true doctrine and their rejection of true practice. Now, obviously, you could be perfectly orthodox. You could be perfectly in communion and believing the right thing to the church and be devoid of all charity and still find yourself in trouble on Judgment Day. And that itself is as huge of a problem as being perfectly filled with charity, but being completely indifferent to the truth of God and having left the unity of the church. Both of them will find you in trouble. Skipping down here to chapter 7, you know, they abstain from the Eucharist and from prayer because they confess not the Eucharist to be the flesh of our Savior Jesus Christ, which suffered for our sins and which the Father of his goodness raised up again. Therefore, those who speak against this gift of God incur death in the midst of their disputes. But it were better for them to treat it with respect, they also might rise again. And that, I think, is, you know, a huge stumbling block. And uh, reading Ignatius, and, and even the first time that I read Ignatius, which is a little bit vague of a memory for me, but the numerous times that I've come across this, like, there's no doubt that he is interpreting here the Eucharist as being the literal body of Christ, the literal flesh. He is reading what we would see in the scripture in John 6.53 as being a literal reality. Now, many of the, the hardline Reformed uh, churches, particularly those that would follow Calvin and the very anti-sacramental um, communities, would say, absolutely, this can't happen. And I'm not here to get into the debate of whether consubstantiation or transubstantiation, right? Consubstantiation was the doctrine proposed by Martin Luther, who did believe in a literal, physical, flesh presence of Christ in the Eucharist. He just didn't think the bread was changed into it. He thought that that literal flesh reality became present along with Christ. And, you know, that led into some other interesting doctrines of ubiquitism that would be worth getting into in a later day. But, you know, saving a lot of the huge debates between Protestants and Catholics in the past 500 years, you know, in simple words, while these whole issues of debating with, with formal academic terms such as transubstantiation or, or all of that aside, like in the most layman's language possible, there is the literal reality of Christ there in the Eucharist in a way that's not merely symbolic, and even that is a misunderstanding of the word symbol as the way the ancients would use it, but we'll get into that in just a minute. Like, for them, the ancients, the symbol was the gathering of 
things together, a gathering of realities together. And I could kind of see where consubstantiation, you know, could be, uh, you know, the conclusion of that gathering physical and spiritual realities together. But symbolism in our modern day really means like delusional ghost, like completely divorced from the reality. It's just a symbol. And if you look at that, you know, well, there's no doubt that there is some sort of like concrete, substantial, whatever word you want to assign to it, reality of, of Christ in the Eucharist beyond just a pure spiritual, emotional, moral, feel better with grace. I receive the spirit of God. Like you get the sense that if that was what the docetists and Gnostics believed, I don't think they would have had, you know, if that's what the church believed, I don't think the docetists and Gnostics would have had such an issue in receiving that because they ultimately, you know, had an issue with matter. And if it was just a spiritual partaking, I think they would accept that. So let's go ahead and skip down here. I, I think that's a great thing worth getting into, uh, but I don't want us to get so focused on this as we try to work through Ignatius' stuff rather than do really just a uh, episode purely on aspects of, you know, church teaching or disputed doctrines or stuff like that. Although, you know, I would like to do some, some episodes on that in the future. Skipping down to chapter eight, see that all of you follow the bishop as Christ does the father and the presbyter as the apostles reverence the deacons being the institution of God. Let no man do anything connected with the church without the bishop. Let that be deemed a proper Eucharist, which is administered either by the bishop or to one whom he has entrusted it, whether the bishop shall appear, let the multitude of the people even as wherever Jesus Christ is, there is the Catholic Church. And again, I preface that in a previous episode of saying, right, 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 what is the word Catholic there? And it has that twofold definition of on the whole or the fullness, as well as universality that's both very present in the Greek conception of the word. And I think we, well, I think we can narrow that down sometimes by just focusing on like the juridical aspect of the church and not really realizing that whole issue that he was dealing with, with a lot of the pickers and choosers of the apostolic teaching of what they wanted to keep or not, and really viewing that ultimately the church was called Catholic because she was possessing the fullness of the doctrine. And those that had issues with accepting the whole doctrine were those that wanted to pick and choose and were eventually given that title uh, heretic, which was just the word for being picky. You know, skipping down here, finishing chapter 8, it's not lawful without the bishop either to baptize or celebrate a love feast. And I think that'd be an interesting lesson to look on or what, what, what exactly the love feast was. And there's really more speculation than fact that we have about this. But whatsoever he shall approve of that is also pleasing to God that everything that is done may be secure and valid. And so what's interesting is you have like this conception of like one's baptism into Christ as essentially also being one's baptism into the visible, physical, hierarchical church. He didn't view the spiritual union with Jesus as being somehow completely irrelevant to one's physical participation in the church. Uh, what do y'all think about that? I mean, is that, you know, is that quite challenging to us today that, you know, just have this, it's me and Jesus, I'm good, you know, me and Jesus and the spirit and, you know, I'm guided by the spirit and all the, all the rest. I mean, isn't one of the probably the most difficult aspects of us being a Christian sometimes is us having to deal with other Christians and all of their faults and all of their, all of their struggles of being a member of the church, you know, much like sometimes our family members can be that, that real burden and cross sometimes worse than, you know, our friends and our neighbors and the rest of that. 
but if we can't succeed that with people who you know share the spirit with us, what what really are we? What really love if we can't love God's saints? Then, like, how is loving our neighbor going to do us any good? Oh yeah, I love my neighbors more than I love God's friends. Well, you know, or people who only love God's friends. It's kind of both and, but. If we really struggle with the people that are God's elect or people that are, you know, formal members of the church, even that struggle with all their weaknesses, like if we can't even treat them like at least the pagans treat, you know, at least the modern, uh, the modern, you know, atheists, the modern agnostics, the modern people of the world, the modern people of all kinds of religions, like they at least look after members of their own family. How could we not do that? I think that gets into a sense that even Paul talked about, too, in one of his epistles. Skipping down to chapter 9, it's well to reverence both God and the bishop. He honors the bishop has been honored by God. He who does anything without knowledge of the bishop does in reality serve the devil. Yeah, I don't think I really need to add a whole lot more to that, but let's... Once again, this is your host, Christopher, of the Ukrainian Fire Chaplain Show. If you have not already, go ahead and look at our website, theufcshow.com. It's got information about us and ways that you can follow, subscribe, or support us. We're on various podcast platforms. We're on Facebook and YouTube. And if you're able to, consider supporting us on Patron. Also want to give a shout out to Daniel Atchison, the music artist Atch, for permission to use his song forever in our productions. Until next time. like to offer my special thanks to the Antiochian Orthodox Choir Group, Incense, for letting us use their song, The Great Perkimenon. You can find links to their music in the description.